Hey, Kevin here, Skylabs, bringing you another video. Definitely going to be a fun one. This is going to be the part two of the Buyer Beware series. In the Buyer Beware series, we kind of go over some of the, the problematic things we've seen with different formats, maybe brands, models, things you just might want to know if you're planning on purchasing one of these items or pieces of equipment. And with that out of the way, let's get into the first Buyer Beware. And this first one is really kind of heartbreaking to me as I do love this format. And that is reel to reels. I honestly personally think trigger warning any of you vinyl diehards out there, maybe close your ears right now. But I think reel to reels are the superior analog format. There is a reason why analog tape has been used to record almost every piece of great music that we all enjoy since the beginning of recorded music. There's a reason why that's happened. Tape saturation, the fidelity of it, everything. In my opinion, as far as analog goes, you can't touch a reel-to-reel. -reel. If you can get a good, from the factory, factory recorded reel-to-reel -reel tape and play it on a calibrated machine, it really is incredible. Unfortunately, even in the past, you kind of needed to be a little bit on the well-off side. And it's definitely the same way now. They're still making reel-to-reel -reel tape machines and several companies out there making blank reel-to-reel -reel tape. And then you even have acoustic sounds that is producing current artists on factory recorded reel-to-reel -reel tape. Uh, albums like Nora Jones and stuff like that, which I can only imagine sound insanely good. I would love to hear one of these. Um, everything Analog Productions does is incredible. I've already got my pre-order, my Steely Dan Gaucho UHQR coming out in the fall. Really looking forward to that. So why are we talking about reel-to-reels in a buyer beware? And the reason that is, is because for the most part, I'm talking about the decks and the tapes that are now 40 years old. The vintage reel-to-reel -reel decks are electromechanical. They have several motors, several moving parts, belts, uh, tape heads that need calibrated, everything needs oiled. The worst thing that could happen to an electromechanical piece of equipment is for it to be stored for long periods of time without use. And unfortunately, that's what happened with all these reel-to-reels. You know, once cassettes became more popular, portable music, really the reel-to-reel -reel just kind of, it fell by the wayside. And a lot of times people would take their reel-to-reel -reel and their tapes and they would end up in a garage attic or in a, in a damp basement. And most of the time when we do see the reel-to-reel -reel decks come in, they are in really bad shape and they're really needing a pretty extensive overhaul. We actually used to repair reel-to-reels um, up until about maybe four years ago or so. It just became too problematic the time involved just became too lengthy. Sourcing parts became difficult. A lot of times, once we'd figure out what the repair was, we would go to the customer with a quote and it would just be more money than they were wanting to put into the deck. So we kind of just did a blanket. All right, we're not gonna work on reel-to-reels anymore. And that's very common. Most service places are in the same boat. I don't know anybody in Des Moines currently that works on reel-to-reels. These are also usually very heavy machines and shipping a reel-to-reel -reel is not cheap. The other problem would be the tape at this point. 
a lot of tape has either mold or it's dried out, it's brittle, it's cracking. The emulsion is coming off the tape and is caking the playhead of your tape deck. They need constant cleaning because of this problem. It's just not for everybody. And if you are a risk taker and you're thinking, well, I really want to try a reel-to-reel -reel, and I get it because they are incredible. The machines that we found were the easiest to repair and get up running, working, and serviced. Personally, I would look for like mid to late 70s Akai or TIAC as they made a lot of them. And so there's going to be a lot of parts available. Also the Pioneer RT707. There might be others. I am no expert on reel-to-reel, but for the few years that we did service them, those seem to be the better models with the most amount of parts availability that we'd come across. So if you own a reel-to-reel, -reel, I think I'm going to give you a really good tip here. Get yourself a brand new reel-to-reel -reel tape. Make yourself a playlist inside of Tidal or Deezer or wherever you stream your music and record it to reel-to-reel -reel because that tape saturation and taking that lossless format and putting it onto what I consider is the superior analog format, it really does a lot. I mean, it really takes what may be a cold kind of sterile recording and it'll bring a lot of life to it. It's huge, it's fun, and it sounds really good. So I know this is a buyer beware and it seems like I'm advocating for it right now, but if you got the money or you're willing to take the risk, try that because that's game changing in my opinion. However, if, if you're just looking to pick up a two or $300 reel to reel and hoping you're going to be able to get into reel to reel playback for a couple hundred bucks, that's where the buyer beware comes in. Cause it is not a cheap format now. And it was not a cheap format then. And the next one on our list is linear tracking turntables. We have had several comments in the past asking why we don't talk about linear tracking turntables. And the main reason is, is because I've never owned one personally. We don't service linear tracking turntables and we'll get into the reasons why, but that is the reason we don't talk about them in the videos usually. And so in order to do this video and like a lot of other videos, I kind of had to do my homework on it. I mean, I know the basics. I understand why they made linear tracking turntables. And the main reason was it was to solve the pivoting arm issue and the inner tracking issue of the record. Because a linear tracking tone arm essentially glides in the record groove the same way that the original record was cut by the lathe, it is always true and has less possibilities of when you get to the inner grooves of the record having distortion from a pivoting tone arm essentially being, for lack of a better word, kind of cockeyed. So it makes sense why the linear tracking turntables um, were invented. It solved a few issues there are with pivoting tone arms. And because the tone arm glides across the record, it essentially says that the cartridge will always be in perfect alignment. So then the next question would probably be, why don't they make linear tracking turntables anymore? Why are hardly any of them made anymore? It seems like they disappeared as quickly as they were introduced. And most people believe that it was the price to make a linear tracking turntable. Having essentially a very light tone arm that 
freely move along the record grooves is very difficult to make inexpensively and they were very complicated to service if there was an issue. You usually had an extra motor or extra belts in order to help that tone arm glide. A lot of times they would use a P-mount cartridge system in order to cut down on the cost and that with a P-mount cartridge, there's no need for counterweight adjustments. They're kind of just plug and play cartridges. That really strips down the cost of the extra adjustments that would be needed if you were to be able to use a range of cartridges on that tone arm. And then so the likely next question would be, well, why should I avoid them? And the main reason is it's really hard to find a technician that will work on a linear tracking turntable. We did a couple of these when we first opened Skylabs, and I think it was the first item to go on the we do not repair list. A lot of times getting to the small belts, finding broken plastic cogs, motors that have given out, it just became so complicated and so time consuming that we just made a blanket statement of uh, we no longer service linear tracking turntables. And you'll find this very common with people that do service any turntables. And another reason why you might want to avoid them is being that most of these linear tracking turntables are P-mount. Very few cartridge manufacturers make P-mount cartridges anymore. So you're going to be very limited on the selection of cartridges you're going to be able to choose from. And then the last reason is really a personal preference thing. I like a traditional turntable with a pivoting arm. I like placing the record on. I like putting the tone arm down. A lot of linear tracking turntables, you place a record on and then you close the lid and the tone arm is attached to the lid of the turntable. And it's almost, it almost feels like playing a CD where you're really not watching the record spin and you're not really engaging with it as much. It just really kind of closes you off from the turntable experience. And I'm not saying everybody should agree with me on that. A lot of people probably think that's silly and that's fine, but it's one of the reasons why I've never owned a linear tracking turntable personally. It's not to say there aren't really good linear tracking turntables that were made or still being made. Uh, Sony made some really nice linear trackers. Uh, we had a Harman and Kardon that I really liked. I had a Mitsubishi uh, Vertical, I believe it was an LTV 15. If I was wrong, it'll be right here. But um, those were, those were kind of unique. They were high end. The majority of the linear tracking turntables that you see most common were kind of entry level by, you know, Techniques and JVC and they were built on a budget and they're just not worth putting a bunch of money into. So not bagging on linear tracking turntables if that's your thing, it's just not mine. That's all. And the next one on our list is something that I hope changes in the future as a business that sells vintage electronics and repairs vintage electronics, nothing would give me more joy and happiness than taking this one off the buyer beware list. And that is STK pack modules or outputs. These were really more widely used in the late seventies and eighties, but there's a lot of speculation as to whether it was a cost cutting method or whether it was easier for a technician to install or change these out. Essentially, these were used in place of what are 
commonly known as standardized transistors, there is more involved inside of this little black box than just these. But the problem with these, and I wish somebody would make a list of every receiver or amplifier that has these in it, because that would make life a lot easier. And unfortunately, we don't have the time to let you know if you have these in your amplifier. The best thing to do would be to get on Google and Google the make and model of your amplifier or receiver and then add output transistor. If the images that pop up after you put that into the search look like standardized output transistors, more than likely you're good. If they're more black rectangular with several legs coming off of it, that is time to take caution as we cannot get these anymore. The only thing we have access to at this point is either cheap knockoffs. If you get on eBay and you put STK00550 into the search bar, you're going to see a bunch of auctions and ads for new OEM or new old stock STK packs. And I don't buy it. I don't, we don't install them. We don't purchase them. They are very unreliable, at least all the ones that we did attempt to use. And therefore it kind of puts you in a bad spot if your receiver or amplifier needs an SDK pack and your only option is to buy essentially a counterfeit one on eBay. And you might get lucky and those new SDK packs might last 10 years or they might last two months. Unfortunately, we just had a really unsuccessful rate with them and we no longer install them. The other option is that on some of the more popular STK packs, like the 0050, this would be used in um, like a Pioneer SX780, uh, some people have done the work of making a replacement board and we've had really good success rates with those. They are a little bit on the expensive side, but I think it is definitely justified considering that person had to design that amp module and make it, market it, sell it. So I don't think they're charging an astronomical price for something that would essentially render your amplifier or receiver a boat anchor. You just need to know that if you are purchasing an amplifier or receiver, and it does have SDK packs or Darlington style outputs, these could be a real problem in the future if they fail. And it just comes down to that. I hope that changes. I don't like selling items that I don't have confidence aren't going to come back in the door in two months because a cheap knockoff SDK transistor failed. So I avoid them. And and I hope somehow that gets rectified someday and we can pull the STK packs off the buyer beware list. But right now it's in big, bold letters on that list. So, and there's another three things to add to the buyer beware list. We will keep this series on going. Maybe every couple months we'll get you another one out, but, um, but I appreciate you watching the video. If you are looking for some new records or you need to replace some of the older records in your collection that maybe just aren't sounding as good as they used to, definitely head over to skylabsaudio.com forward slash shop. As we just added 25 or so new records to the shop, 
We are only shipping them out in premium record mailers. They are kind of expensive on our side, but we do feel that it is worth it to get you your record with a good jacket. Nothing pisses me off more than getting a brand new record in the mail and having a big dented corner in it because they put it in a cheap mailer. We feel it's worth the extra cost to get you your record the way you want to receive it. Make sure if you haven't subscribed to the channel, hit the subscribe button and also make sure to leave us a comment. We do love reading those comments and getting the feedback from these videos and these buyer beware topics. And maybe you've got one that you think we should mention in the next video. We'd definitely love to hear your suggestions. We hope everybody has a great week. We're gonna have a great week here at Skylabs. The Iowa State Fair is going on this week and usually everybody's in a pretty good mood during the fair because it's the Iowa State Fair. Anyway, have a great week. We'll see you in the next one. Really appreciate it. Thanks.